talented players, uh, when they meet good situations or when good situations come to them, like in the case of Allen Robinson, uh, those are guys that you definitely want to have. And Allen Robinson has proved his talent um, over and over. So very excited about. Am I supposed to do the the bit here uh, about the? You can the... say whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. That was just funny. <laughs> As, okay, as I'm just learning here. I don't know how to transition into it now. I'm done. That's okay. <laughs> we'll save it for later. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually didn't know it was – that's – I never, never never thought about it that way. Oh, that's such crap. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Astronauts podcast. This is Jetpack Galileo, and we are bringing on Robo Ryan Keeney as a new host for the show. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Our old host, Mr. Tendyman himself, he is on a a uh, space mission we sent him off to andromeda galaxy so he will be helping out by way of radio signal every once in a while uh, but as far as the podcast goes uh ryan's going to be helping me out on the show what's going on ryan how you doing yeah doing well uh got some big shoes to feel here but uh, excited to be on yeah no definitely excited to have you um so today we're going to tackle uh some off-season buys and sells uh, but tell, tell me first about the, the fantasy guide that we're putting together um, just as we get into uh, this season coming around. It's already almost July, which is nuts. Yeah, yeah. the offseason is, is cruising by. I don't know if it's just the everything's starting to open back up again. It seems like uh, the offseason is cruising right along here. Anyway, I'd like to tell guys, give you guys a little teaser about the fantasy guide that's coming up. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with our rookie guide, but it's going to be a continuation extension of that where it's not just going to be something that you guys can print or use once. It's going to be something that lives and is an app that's interactable that allows you to go in depth on player and team projections. And of course, give you all the goodies as well in terms of team analysis, uh, highlight profiles, thing buy sells, you know, players that were higher or lower on consensus. And of course, giving you guys perfect rankings and projections from our own awesome Jay Moyer, so we can guys let you guys dominate your league and also get a better insight on actually how the situations are going to be laying out, so you're ready to go for your redrafts this this off season. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about building that. I think uh, you know the success of the rookie guide and the way that that was flowing, and, and to see your your skill just as far as like how far we can take this thing. I'm I'm, I'm very pumped about this. So yeah, yeah, be looking forward to the fantasy guide. Hopefully that'll be uh, dropping soon here as we get going. Um, but yeah, let's let's head right into the the offseason buys. Who are you looking to pick up uh, this season so far? Um, there's definitely a few guys that I'm looking to to buy, and I can give you a overview, kind of like my top level guys. If you'd like to get into it, uh, wide receivers. We'll start there. Uh, there's three guys I'm really really interested in. Um, first guy is in a situation near and dear to our hearts with Justin Fields. Now probably taking over at quarterback, hopefully sooner than later. And that is Allen Robinson. Currently he's going around the middle of the third round. So he's kind of priced at wide receiver 12. Um, 
you might see think that's kind of like high price for me but i think if you're kind of going into that with a kind of a, a redraft or a dynasty mindset he's a guy who should improve upon his situation from last year and we're talking about a player who was top eight well actually was eighth in expected fantasy points per game last year averaged 22 percent target share he is a fantastic player and he's going to be a player that's his situation is improving um and so he's a guy that i think can take as you know as being valued at kind of outside the top 10 wide receivers i think he's a top 10 wide receiver probably for the next two or three years yeah absolutely i'm all about Allen robinson this year i think he's he's for sure a guy for me he's in my top five he would be my wide receiver five and so i'm pretty confident yep. in him i think about uh, Andy Dalton and I, you know, it reminds me of AJ Green and that kind of relationship that they're capable of producing. And I know it's been a while since we've seen good AJ Green and we've seen decent Andy Dalton, but um, they can definitely put that together. And then if you're you're looking at Justin Fields being the guy going forward, you've got quarterback stability um, in a place that has not had it in a while. And so I think because they have not had that quarterback stability in a while, um, Allen Robinson is being undervalued. And so you know, for me top five is not out of the picture at all that that's where i have him as my wide receiver five currently yeah it's kind of interesting because people kind of see him as a an older player um right. but he's he's not he's not that old he just came into the league extremely young i to me he kind of feels like a more advanced um dj Moore, where it's someone who's produced in situations that are just absolutely awful yeah. and he's finally going to be working himself into a situation here. You know, he's, he's still under age 28. So he's probably got two to three years left and he's going to, he's going to produce, you know, he's done it with terrible quarterbacks in the past and he's going to put it up in the, he's going to put it up now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. In my, in my ballpark, I think I'm, I'm thinking three to four more seasons of, of top 10 wide receiver production. So uh, for me, he's an obvious buy and, Eventually, I, I think after this season, when we see what Fields looks like, uh, we'll be talking about him as this is an elite receiver and this is a, a special pairing. So I'm jumping all over this. You know, similar to Stephon Diggs, right? Um, that quarterback situation changed or, you know, for, for Diggs. And then, you know, all of a sudden, oh, Diggs is elite, right? And and at that point in time, when like remember this time last year, Diggs was going wide receiver 20, wide receiver 25, right? Just all over the map because – People had no idea what he would become. Uh, and uh, talented players, uh, when they meet good situations or when good situations come to them, like in the case of Allen Robinson, uh, those are guys that you definitely want to have. And Allen Robinson has proved his talent um, over and over. So very excited about uh, where he's headed. Yeah, it should be pretty awesome. Now, here's another guy on my list. And, and it's a guy whose situation this year isn't great depending on how you feel about drew Locke and teddy bridgewater but i have i have court and sutton on on my buy list as well i think he's he's sitting around uh, about fifth round adp wide receiver 22 overall i think he's a player where we we're forgetting just how talented he was last year um really in his his one game it was extremely impressive but it's just the season was cut short. So it, my question for you is, is, is that a sit player that you, you're willing to overlook the situation on? Because I'm not a big believer in, in uh, Bridgewater. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, we just saw Bridgewater support three top 30 fantasy receivers, right? Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, they were all decent players. So I think just generally speaking, we kind of overestimate the, the impact that a quarterback will have on a team. Um, they can certainly elevate the ceiling. Um, but a lot of times, good players, they'll retain their value regardless of, of who's playing quarterback. And that's how you really know who, who are the most talented players, as, again, in the case of A-Rob. But, yeah, with, with Sutton, uh, to me, the, the most interesting thing is going to be, like, how, does, how much does Judy take and how much does Sutton take? And are they splitting some parts of a pie? Um, and so I, I, don't, I think his current ADP, we have him at wide receiver 22 right now in terms of that's where he's being taken. Um, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, and so for me, he's not like a screaming buy at that position. It's not somebody that I, you know, would, would consider ahead of being like a, a top, you know, 22 kind of guy. Um, I think that's a pretty fair ballpark though. And I do like him. I think he will succeed. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to lay out another guy here that I really enjoyed watching on tape and drop down into Wide receiver 32, ADP of 704, Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Any any feelings about him? It, what's really interesting to me about Deontay Johnson is that he is one of the only players inside the top 10 in expected fantasy points where his, he actually scored less points than you would expect. Now, not by much, just by 0.3 points per game. But typically what you see is wide receivers who score in the top 10 of expected fantasy points is that they're also being very efficient. So the fantasy points that they're scoring per game is actually higher. So my question for you is, is that something that you're seeing on tape? Because what I see on tape is a player who can absolutely separate um, and unfortunately just, or for Juju fans last year, just absolutely regulated Juju. Um, He's a player that just plays extremely well uh, against man. And I just look at that opportunity going into this next year. And I think he's just going to continue to pull down 20 to 25% of the target share in that offense. And for me, at, if I can get that at wide receiver 32, I, I want it. Yeah. He's got the Antonio Brown role and just watching him play. He's, he's one of the better route runners. And so that, that's a lot of fun to watch. You know, the, I think the drops question is, is legitimate. In most cases we say, Hey, you know, drops don't matter, but when you're hitting 15, 16 in that, in that range, then that can get you off the field, right? Coach gets upset or you, or, you know, we'll say maybe like Chase Claypool takes a step forward. Then that reliability that you've, you've kind of proved that you didn't have, that can be troublesome. So um, I I think that the Steelers though, they're mostly going to end up in running a lot of three wide receiver sets. And so Deontay is going to be, be on the field a lot. Um, and so I'm not too concerned about him losing snaps. Um, over time, uh, I, I think he'll end up figuring out the deal with the drops. A lot of that is just concentration, really. And he's he's very talented. And so, yeah, what you're saying with him being wide receiver 32, like I love that price for him. Um, expected If he can, carries on in that similar ballpark, and even if he were to lose maybe 5% of his expected fantasy value uh, or just in terms of his volume, uh, you would say we gave that to Claypool or something like that. He'd still be a great asset, especially at wide receiver 32. So I guess I can I flip the script over to you here and see, do you have anybody at quarterback or running back? Yeah, so uh, running back-wise, a guy that I'm pretty interested in 
um, right now is Mixon. And I think we're all down on him uh, just from kind of underperforming his talent. Uh, but now I feel like he's finally got his opportunity. And so if I have him, I'm making sure to hold on to him. I, you know, getting rid of Giovanni Bernard was a big thing for me um, just because and, – and has been the deal for, for Mixon's career is that he's been the best probably player that the Bengals have had on the field, and they always want to supplement him with something else. Like Jeremy Hill is rookie year stole like six carries a game. And I was just like, why are we wasting our time with Jeremy Hill? And same thing with Giovanni Bernard. He's still in five receptions a game. And there's, there's so much talent in Joe Mixon, right? We watched him play uh, in, at Oklahoma. He could do whatever he wanted. Uh, and then, you know, now that he's paired with Samaji Piran, I'm not, not too concerned. I think he'll, he'll take most of the load. Uh, and so I'm really excited about Joe Mixon going forward. Um, I, you know, he's, he's going to be, in my opinion, I think he'll stay on the field as a third down back. And that's why I'm so excited. Um, you know, I recently saw the coach Brian Callahan say something about Chris Evans having the best hands, the, the, the rookie running back they just signed, having the best, the most, the most natural hands that he's ever seen. That made me so mad. I was furious. Oh man. Just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It just seems like the. Fantasy gods conspire every single year to take Nixon's <laughs> talent, yeah. Nixon's ability, uh, and they just they'll never let us see his ceiling. And yeah. I think that's you know last year it, it, I think a lot of it maybe on the offensive line. That offensive line was a wreck, um, and with the rookie quarterback. One thing I did like to see is that offense, especially with Burrow, was just putting up a ton of pass attempts every single game. Um, so you're looking at an offense that's probably going to be putting more plays out. He, you know, for as much as we hate on, on Joe Mixon for not catching passes, he was at 12% target share last year, which is top 20, top 15 in the league. And and so if you're thinking about that, maybe expanding up to top, 15, you know, 13, 14%, if it creeps up even just a little bit, he'll be a top 10 in receiving back in terms of, target share on an offense that throws the ball a lot. So if they can fix some of their offensive line issues, which they did address in the draft in, in the second round, um, that's something I would I would really like to see. And of course, adding Chase there, you're looking for a more uh, explosive offense just in general. If the offense is on the field, you like to see what your running back can also do. So I think, I think give, you know, you know, maybe this is the year where everybody drafts Mixon where they kind of, you know, knocked out the the halo around him, and he actually actually lives up to to his billing. Yeah, yeah. This is well, you know, this is the last year, right? This is this is his last fantasy stand. If they <laughs> if they roll out with Chris Evans because he's got really natural hands or whatever BS, then then uh, you know then it, then it's over. But it, he's his value is at the point where it's low enough that you can't you're not going to sell him for what he's actually worth. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you just got to hold on and, and hope for the best. And I think we will see the best out of Joe Mixon this year. I think he's in line for his best fantasy season. So that, that's my hope there with uh, my running back by um, the other guy I really like is Austin Eckler. And that's, so I don't know where you're at with him. Um, and he, I think for a lot of people, he's probably a buy, um, but I had him in my, my top five running backs last season. And so to see him get hurt was a bummer, but I, I'm a big believer. Uh, so yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, on Eckler? Yeah, so unfortunately with Eckler getting hurt, it's, it's tough to gauge. I think 
He's he's a player, if you're looking at just in terms of his stat lines from last year, he's never going to see majority of the rushing opportunities, but he is going to see, you know, top five passing opportunity in terms of what you'd see at the running back position. And put that in place with Herbert, it, I think it's a recipe for success. I, I'm not necessarily a believer in Eckler for the long term, just because I don't think he is a player that is able to kind of hold that position over the next two or three years. I I, just, I have some questions about him and his size and his durability, and those tend to be pretty cliche worries for me. But I, I just always hesitate when a guy's you know he's getting a job later in his career. He's never really held up underneath a large workload. He seems to do a little bit better if they're able to keep his rush share, you know, between 40-30% and keep his targets up. That's fine. He'll be a producer. Can he be and can he maintain top 12 running back numbers over a full season? Yes, if they're giving him the majority of those those rushing opportunities, but I just don't think that extends past maybe this year. So I I think wheels are up in the games he plays but i think he's a he's a player that i think gets replaced um you know in the next year or so unfortunately or at least he gets into a situation where um someone else is competing for touches and you're looking at a pass country back that's you know maybe not getting the goal line work and i kind of worry about that now Right. Now, that's it, just me being a little hesitant about a player like Eckler. Um, I can't deny his talent, right? When you watch him, he, he's fantastic. It's just I just think players like him tend to be a little risky. And so if someone's willing to pay me top 10 uh, price for him, if I can flip him for, you know, if a Mixon, a Gibson, um, pretty much any of the second-year running backs at this point, I would be more than happy to. I don't think people would just because of the age difference. Um, but if you could, I would. I would be selling him. Yeah, that's fair. I think yeah, the somebody he's locked into a, a decent long term contract. So the concern is, mm-hmm. oh well, there's a Melvin Gordon type guy to hop on and take the rushing. But you know, the passing will always be there. So that's that's kind of why I'm excited. But I think for me, you know, to see 16 and a half fantasy points per game last season over 10 games, that was pretty solid right that's your your rb12 threshold uh, so yep. your, your rb1 level um and then th- he improved on his yards per carry so part of the question was just like oh how is this guy actually as a runner and to see 4.6 yards per carry just to see that like he's not struggling in terms of vision or anything like that he understands what's going on he can process well and then they add a guy like rayshon slater uh to the offensive line to me that that's where you start seeing a lot of this this boost uh, of excitement, right? We've got Herbert in his second season getting a little bit more comfortable. Maybe they open it up more passing wise, but then an offensive line that was one of the worst in the NFL, they're adding solid pieces too. Um, mm-hmm. So right there to me, that that's, that's my next bump up for Eckler, but who else do you yeah. have to buy for at running back? Um, a, a player that I've been really, really trying to acquire and I've got two for you and you can choose which one you want to talk about. Uh, first one is Antonio Gibson, uh, and the second one is a Tendy Man favorite in David Montgomery. Yeah. Which one? Which one do you want to talk about? Well, we'll do both, of course. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, tell me about Gibson. What are your What are your thoughts on Gibson? What's the c- ceiling there? What are you aiming for? 
well, I just think looking at Gibson's profile from from last year, it it's a player that we had questions as you brought up in the previous episode. We had questions about his ability as a runner, and that those answers. I mean, we we got the good answer on that, right? It, it was they were using him there, and and he was giving up actually work in the passing game, which was sort of surprising. Um, so if he's been able to prove himself in the running game, and we look at the situation in Washington, as we think it's improved, right? It's a new um, with Fitz, Fitz Magic back there at quarterback. He's a player that I I think out of all the second year running backs who can take that next step. He's the guy that I think could just absolutely go nuclear um, and, and be in contention for the top, you know, top five overall dynasty running back. Now, I don't necessarily think there's some other players in that second in the second group who can do that. I think Swift possibly, unless his reception um, totals go up into Camaro levels, which I'm I'm not convinced that they will. Um, that's a definitely a ceiling projection. But what I like about Gibson is he seems to be a player that could reach that status um, not only maybe through his his rushing, but his receiving as well. So I, for me, I just see him as more ways to reach that upper echelon tier. He's got the athleticism. He's raw. Um, so you kind of got the development narrative going on there. I know he's, he's in terms of when Jay looks at the tape, he's, he doesn't love it. Um, but luckily athleticism at the running back position can cover up a lot of sins. And that's a player that I think can, can really build upon what was a, a surprisingly good rookie season. Yeah. The, the offensive line for the, the Washington football team was better than we all thought it was going to be. And, and so to see him step in and, and pace things and figure it out, um, you know, he's not perfect, right. But just to see him make plays at the second level, I think was, was exciting for sure. So I think Antonio Gibson actually reminds me a lot of Joe Mixon and his status. What makes J.D. McKissick not Giovanni Bernard? That, that to me is the dilemma. If I'm looking at, you know, we're looking at a guy who played receiver in college and is clearly very talented. And if he's like, who are these coaches? Seriously, what's the deal? But how is J.D. McKissick not Giovanni Bernard to you in terms of capping some of that, that ceiling there? Oh, I unfortunately I think JD McKissick it can be a he's gonna be a pain in his thorn. Um my question is is how long can JD McKissick be a thorn in anybody's side? It just seems like he's been doing this for, for years. Um I I don't know, I it's he's a player it's just as I don't know, he's just such a pain. He's he's almost twenty eight, he's only, you know, probably hundred and ninety pounds soaking wet at this point. He's just a pain in the butt, but uh, no, unfortunately, I think he, while he's there, he's going to be possibly uh, a pain. My my only comment would be, as it does seem that you know, as players get more and more adept at at understanding third down packages and understanding the projections, uh, uh, protections, understanding the routes that they're supposed to run, that's a talent that it does seem to develop pretty steadily, at least for wide receivers. So you think that that would translate over for running backs as well, that the coaching staff would just start to 
say we can't have this guy come off the field. I mean, you're talking a guy who's, you know, like a seventh percentile speed score versus like a 99th almost percentile speed score. Like at the end of the day, if they can both do the same thing reasonably well together, um, you're it just common sense says, you know, the guy who is runs like a four th- high four three is going to be on the field more. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I I think I just have some some Joe Mixon trauma, but no, you know, I, I hear you. It's, it is. It, it's hard to overlook 110 targets for McKissick last season. That's so absurd. So uh, yeah, you know, it's sort of unbelievable. Fitz isn't going to throw to the running back nearly as much, so that will come down. But to have a guy that was the second leading receiver on the team at, as J.D. McKissick, is, it's nuts. So I think he'll end up sticking around. Maybe Cap'n Gibson's total value or total upside for a bit here. But I appreciate yeah. the idea behind the development, and I, I, I am a Gibson fan. No, yeah. Uh, J.D. McKissick led all running backs in yeah, target share in the second half of last year, week 10 yeah. on, yeah. he was at, at 20%. Now, that's not to say that uh, Gibson was, was awful. I think he was right on 10% for that time period as well. So not bad. Top 20, that's J.D. Kmikasik <laughs> stealing all the receptions. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so similar situation now, though, with – David Montgomery, and, and for me, that is the underlying question mark. Mm-hmm. David Montgomery is talented. David Montgomery proved his talent behind a poor Bears offensive line. He stepped up, and he was like RB6, I think his finish was, or in that ballpark uh, where he played really well. He, he broke a 1,000-yard seasons for the first time in his career. But that all came with Tariq Cohen not being available due to an ACL tear. And so he picked up all that receiving volume that – Tariq Cohen normally gets. So Montgomery is still a buy for you. Is that simply because of his ADP and you just like that vibe? Or do you think he can even improve on the season that he had last year? Where are we at with Monty? Yeah, so for Monty, what I'm looking at is a player over from like week 10 on, average 13% target share, 71% rush share, um, was second only to Dalvin Cook in expected fantasy points per game actually led the nfl in fantasy points per game over that stretch and but from week week one to week 10 he was you want to guess how much he falls down <laughs> no uh it's all right it's, he's um he was at number 10 overall through the first 10 okay. weeks so uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's uh you know averaging 16 expected fantasy points per game and actually was relatively inefficient uh, and only had 12 and a half fantasy points per game. So was really unlucky in the first half, this first part of the season and kind of down the stretch there was uh, much more efficient, but his rush share and target share uh, numbers really didn't change. You know, they're both in the mid seventies and his target share was only 11% in the first half of the year. So for me, he's a player that when that offense started to improve in the second half of the year, started to get in kind of into Weirdly enough, a semi-groove there. Uh, he's he really really benefited, and so I think he's a player that you know I really didn't like him coming out as a rookie. I thought he was slow. I didn't like how he played. He's really transformed as a player. I think he's playing a little. I don't know how you put a put a little slimmer. He definitely looks faster on the field, and he's a guy that I just maybe just putting him on this list because. 
he's a guy that I'm, I'm, you know, saying, you know what, I'll forgive you uh, as a player that I didn't really like his rookie and, you know, going into rookie drafts. And he's a player that is turned it around. And he's a guy that I think, you know, if people are excusing the second half of last year and, you know, they're looking at this, you know, the batch of running backs for this year, uh, and you're you can turn around and trade like a Javante Williams for a David Montgomery. Um, that's you know that's kind of in the area that he's being valued in Dynasty, and that's a trade or something like that. I would I, I would do in a heartbeat. I dig it. We are big Monty fans here. We always have been. So he's yeah, really, well, he's not me. We... <laughs> <laughs> and then, are there any other I would say rookies that you're looking at that you think are going to have great careers that mm. you think could take the, you know, that, that could have like a quick impact. Who yeah. are your guys that you think maybe are undervalued now, um, but are, are going to be stars in the, in the league in the future? Yeah. Yeah. So in your rookie drafts, if you've got any coming up um, and you're coming around to the start of the second round and uh, this is deep talking about super flex typically, because you won't, You'll find him at the end of the first round. Otherwise, um, if Elijah Moore is still on the board, make like turn the card in and go go get him. He, I, uh, the more and more I kind of think about Elijah Moore, um, the more I I like him. He's a player that scored scored extremely well in our Ricky draft guide, in both our film review and our analytical profiles he's a player that i kind of discounted slightly you know we're still we still gave him an overall position rating of six just because of his size i think we're a little hesitant to move him up more than that but in terms of just his his overall profile and then you add on that he's already practicing with the ones um we're gonna just add to the offseason buzz uh about elijah moore but i don't want to just hang our hat totally on what we're seeing at the Jets camp. He's, I just really want to, to, to highlight there that he's a player that was not only demonstrated like a, like a great yak ability, but he actually was putting up some pretty decent numbers in terms of where his reception were on the field. And he was attacking into different areas of the field than you would necessarily expect. Uh, and that's where... You know, if we look at like a player like he's being drafted next to like a Rondell Moore, who had like an A dot of like zero, I'm that's exaggerating, but Elijah Moore was significantly higher than that, and, and he's a player that I can think can play all over the field, productive at an extremely young age. He's a guy that you know, if Jamison Crowder is at all. I don't know. They want to redo. Did they? Did he sign to a contract? I think he did. They did. Yeah, um, they, did they did get it done. Um, so. That might be a slight roadblock to start, but honestly, at this point, Jameson Grotto will probably play one game, get hurt again, so it won't matter. But <laughs> it's well, it's just how it goes. But if if Jameson Crowder is out of the lineup, that leaves you know a a huge you know twenty to thirty percent target share that is just up in the air because that is what he saw. Now, of course, new offensive system. You're adding Corey Davis. You've got Denzel Mims there, who I like. So don't. You know, we're not going to get too over um, on board with the training hype with Elijah Moore. We're also not going to overreact to the the Denzel Mims hate. Denzel Mims played well last year. He'll be fine. 
But I think Elijah Moore it could be a, an excellent pick. If you've got, you know, kind of looking towards the, you know, 10th, 11th round um, of a startup draft, uh, you can be picking up Elijah Moore in that spot. And I think he's going to be producing almost right away um, in that Jets offense. You know, right currently he's being drafted at wide receiver 49 um, and with an ADP of end of the 12th round, I think he should be, that should be, you know, two to three rounds higher and about, I don't know, he should be, you know, what, you know, in the thirties or so uh, in terms of positional pick. Yeah. Elijah was a guy that uh, I loved. He was my wide receiver five in terms of film. And so I had him uh, with an 80 grade. And so that puts him, you know, in terms of grades, for me, I'm thinking this is an early career wide receiver two or top 24 receiver. Um, his understanding of the game is evident in the way that he manipulates defenders and the way that he controls them with his stem. And it's those kind of advanced concepts that uh, really make him special. And so you look at Ron, uh, you, you know, I think everybody was pairing these more guys together, Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, who do I like better, right? Oh, well, Rondell broke out as a freshman or, you know, did all these impressive things as a freshman. And then, and then you see them, uh, I think, watching the film, right? There's all these Rondale Moore highlights that are, you know, him catching the ball, like, close to the line of scrimmage. And just like you're saying, this zero A dot, right, where it's just get the ball in his hands and watch him do his work. Elijah Moore can play outside, and that skill set is drastically different. Um, and so uh, while I love, like, Rondale Moore's fit in Arizona, and I think that he's going to have a good career, um, Elijah Moore is like has the upside of being the, the top wide receiver on his team um and and i think that that's a great place to start just in terms of volume um and and skill set wise he can he can go up and get the ball um and he, he can catch in traffic he can do really anything that you want him to do um and so yeah big fan of elijah moore just from the the football game standpoint now when you take him over to the the michael lafleur offense where you're pairing you know, this is a Kyle Shanahan system type of like concept and, and the way that they're going to run things. This is my, my player comp for him skill wise was Debo Samuel. My fantasy comp for him is also going to be Debo Samuel. So that that's what we're looking at. I think uh, his freshman season or his rookie season, I should say uh, Debo Samuel went 81 targets, uh, 800 yards, three touchdowns, 14 rushes, 159 yards, three touchdowns. And so he got he gathered plenty of touches and plenty of opportunities because his skill got him onto the field in a similarly open uh, wide receiver room. Um, and I think that uh, Elijah Moore is going to be, you know, similar talent, similar system. They're going to see them the same way. And this was, you know, part of the plan. Uh, I think Shanahan took Debo Samuel at 34. And Elijah Moore, I believe, is the same draft pick. So I know that, the, you know, a lot of things are aligning uh, here. And so I would match that in terms of what are we identifying with this player? Elijah Moore is the Debo Samuel of this class. Uh, and for me, I'm excited about that because they're not, there's no George Kittle. Uh, this is pretty wide open. And, and they're going to need to be passing the ball a lot. So uh, I think sorting out the Jets wide receiver room is interesting just from a dynasty perspective. Are you are you a Denzel Man, Mims fan in terms of like buying him? Because he, I'm sure he's going later than is he going later than Elijah Moore in terms of ADP? And then what are you doing with Corey Davis? Well, forget about Jamison Crowder for now. But what are you doing with the other two guys? Yeah, um, I think 
Corey Davis, I got to check him. I Based on some of the drafts I've done lately, he's about where I'd expect. I think he's fine. Um, I had a lot more expectations for Mims to be sort of making uh, more waves this offseason, and so I'm kind of disappointed to see that that um, expected growth maybe isn't being realized this early in the offseason. Now, that being said, what he did in a really tough situation last year uh, was was really really good. So I'm I am not reacting negatively or dropping Mims down at all in uh, for this offseason. Uh, what he's done. I mean, if we're just you know kind of talking high level stats last year, his target share you know 19% air yards per game 75%. That's right up there with kind of your wide receiver two um, in dynasty numbers. That's the guys that you're you're willing to start, um, and, and you know, and if you got them in your flex spot, you're very very happy. Now, unfortunately, because the Jets were such an awful situation, those baseline numbers did not translate to fantasy points or expected fantasy points in the way that you know if someone was on a much better offense, how uh, they would have. So. For me, if the situation gets better and Denzel Mims can continue to kind of play, how, how would you describe his role? He kind of plays that like flanker position almost where he's allowed to kind of work um, on the opposite side of the formation is usually two other wide receivers um, or kind of inside and outside wide receiver. And he is asked to kind of attack up the field and then make really sharp cuts kind of crossing over the middle or work to the outside. He's a player that I saw win in some really difficult situations last year. Um, you can go check out the YouTube video that we actually put together on our channel of him. And and he was a player that, while it never really resulted in uh, just a glut of, of fantasy points, he was consistently winning in a way that I see players, like it reminded me of players like Terry McLaurin, um, you know, the Justin Jefferson, that sort of mold where they're able to separate at kind of the top of their route um, and especially on crossing routes and and get their hands on the ball away from their body and, and make really nice catches and pull it in. And just unfortunately, last year, if you're looking at it, um, Mims was making those moves and would be wide open on a number of his targets and the throw, it just seemed like Darnold to just sit on it and and just wait and it's like this this ball should be thrown when he's making the break he's getting that two yards of separation it's pretty impressive and the ball just isn't being thrown and you can actually see that uh go through a number of those those plays on the youtube breakdown but you know there's other players uh dennis uh, dynasty and fantasy analysts and the player in the industry who are also pretty high on mims um and so in terms of his talent and and i'm a player i guess i'm just looking at it is i think the talent is there um now i'm starting to worry that he's going to mess it up this offseason with with maybe off the field issues or or work ethic issues now none of that has really surfaced at this point i'm just surprised because he was a player that absolutely showed out at the senior bowl and so i would expect for him to continue to show out in these offseason workouts as well so that he's not doing that is eyebrow raising to me so it's something to keep an eye on if it continues for the next two months uh but at this point in time if someone's freaking out uh about denzel mims uh you know being cut from the team now of course that's not going to happen but that's what they're thinking um yeah i i like mims quite a bit i think he's uh 
you know, he may never be a, a number one overall alpha on a team, but he can be he can be a player that's getting really efficient targets um, over the center of the field and is pulling in a 20% target share and is is putting you wide receiver two numbers up on a very consistent basis. You know, you look up at the end of the year, he's a player who could sneak into the top 12, you know, if he has a good year. That's kind of the way yeah. I view him. He's Yeah, I think he's, he's going to be interesting. I'm a big... I really do trust these camp reports, but you it's all about like what are the camp reports, right? right? So when somebody says Elijah Moore is showing out and everybody says it all the time and they say it every day. Right. And they say and then they say this rookie is running with the ones, that's something you pay attention to. Mm-hmm. When they say, you know, player X, he's not doing as well and he's running with the twos, that's also something that you pay attention to. And so like those categories of things, it's like who's first string, who's second string, that kind of stuff matters to me. Um, I, I am concerned about Denzel Mims, just like generally speaking, but like you, I'm on the same page. I do believe in the talent. I would be buying now. And I do personally prefer Mims to Corey Davis. So we get into the season, right? Corey Davis starts or he leads that room or whatever, but he's still Corey Davis, which is just like an average dude. Um, and you know, I think we all liked Corey Davis when he was coming out. Um, but he just failed to like really click and develop consistency. Um, and so just in my mind, I, I would rather have, if we're looking at this this wide receiver room just in general, uh, I'd rather have Elijah Moore, and then I'd rather take Denzel Mims, and then Corey Davis would be my like third guy, just in terms of dynasty and, and the at cost, what we're looking at. So those are my, that's my eval on the Jets room. Yeah, it's a it's a good eval. I think, um, unlike, you know, you know, we have last year, we have Darnold working with like a fake wide receiver core. And, and this year we have Zach Wilson with a fake mask, but at least he's got a real wide receiver core. So <laughs> it should, should be decent for him. So <laughs> you remember that? No. <laughs> I, oh yeah. No, I remember that. <laughs> so that was uh, Jets media is, is a riot, but anyway, yeah. we'll let it go. Yeah, yeah. 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 Talk sales. Do you want to give me one of your top sales? Uh, yes. Well, so we've already talked about Deontay Johnson. Uh, and just how we're still believers in him, even despite the inefficiency. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is a sell for me, and he's a sell because um, I, you know, what the question is: Well, what does he do if Claypool steals any of his volume? Um, because he's not super special either. Uh, and so, just as far as Juju's price tag, he's he's significantly overvalued in my mind. I think he's going around where he finished last season, right? So. They were all in the top 30, I believe, all Steelers receivers. Um, and so that's exciting to look at. And so it's reasonable to be like, yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy that is, is a top 24 wideout in terms of dynasty. Um, but as far as kind of, you know, same idea, we're evaluating the room just like we were with the Jets. His cost is way too high. Like I'd rather have Deontay and I'd rather have Claypool. And so uh, Juju is a sell for me just because – you know, you can get guys who will put up similar numbers for much cheaper in the same room. Um, so I think the, the the real question on Juju is where does he go after the Steelers? I don't think that uh, – I mean, I hope he doesn't sign there long enough because then you're looking at this hodgepodge of, of Steelers receivers down the road. But, um, yeah, what, what do, what's your what's your take on him? I'm, I'm selling him if I have him. I'm trying to get something else. Yeah, I think – Juju sticking around Pittsburgh was unexciting, honestly. Yeah. It just was – it would have been really nice to see him go to a different situation um, because at this point, 
like just like you're saying, he's going to get squeezed for the high value touches. He's a player that only saw, you know, even though he had a, a um, 20% target share last year, he was only seeing 80, uh, 44 air yards per game, where like Deonta Johnson is almost doubling that at 76. Claypool was at 90. Um, it, so you're, you're seeing him get squeezed out of the high value targets um, that that he had been seeing when he was, you know, playing second fiddle to a, uh, AJ Brown. So not AJ Brown, um, Antonio Brown. And, and so you just starting to see this decrease year after year. And you're also seeing that in conjunction from when Juju was at his peak, you know, some people were putting that him at, uh, wide receiver one in dynasty. That's on the back of the Steelers cool. being like the most, um, pass aggressive, and having like the most pass attempts uh, in you know recent memory, and in terms of rush to pass split as well, I mean it just was absolutely bonkers, and and you're seeing that all regress, and then you combine that with he's, you know last maybe with he's Antonio Brown, you're like okay maybe of course Antonio Brown is like the better player, but now he's like then immediately the very next year, was getting outplayed by Deontay Johnson, in in 2019. And then the same thing continues on in 2020. Um, of course, you know, Juju did suffer some injuries in 2019. That was the excuse. I don't think it was. And as we saw in 2020, it just kind of continued. And then you see Claypool come in and Claypool's getting higher value targets immediately. Um, they have, they drafted another tight end there and a tight end is going to see kind of similar targets as well. They drafted Najee Harris. It seems like they want to get him working um, out of the backfield in the passing game involved there as well. So it's just like you're starting to see these different forces come together and conspire uh, with one, pass attempts coming down. Two, his A dot is coming down. He's not getting efficient targets. So just those two things to get together it isn't good for him going into this year um, in on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's going to see lower quality targets just because Ben's arm, I think, is falling off. It's not any good. So it's just like all of these things are are just working at suppressing his output and you know you might look up and say hey juju had you know seven eight targets this game that's great well guess what he had like 20 air yards and that is just not valuable in uh, the game that we play so if he's not seeing those targets you know above and beyond where you know expect him to score touchdowns you know johnson up in the middle of the field capable deep you know, Harris starts to steal anything from underneath. He's going to be in a tough situation, especially in an offense that's it look, look, at least looks like it's trying to run the ball more. So, I yeah, I, I agree. He was a player that actually had I had listed as well uh, as a sell candidate. Now, my question for you is: It's a pretty awful situation at the moment. If you sell now, are you going to try to buy towards the end of the year? <laughs> try to buy going into to 2022 because I, I think that's maybe the way to play it um yeah it, it's like you just hope that he doesn't sign in pittsburgh long term um because one the quarterback situation is probably going to be not very good in uh 2022 the worse than it is this year um so maybe looking forward he's kind of a guy that you you know if you could do loans like you can in uh the champions league or something like that no you can't but You'd loan them out for the season and then see what you got next. Reevaluate them next year. Yeah, no, I. That's exactly how I would play it. And I had that thought where we were writing this down. I'm like, you know, you can probably sell him, 
and then buy them back, just like any stock. Yeah, sell them to that Pittsburgh fan, like most optimistic fans ever. They think they're going to win until <laughs> Big Ben's arm falls off and they realize that rushing the ball isn't as efficient and their defense is playing well, so they don't have to have hardly any um, pass attempts. It's just, I don't know. I think the whole situation is set enough for him, for that offense to be underwhelming outside of Johnson and Claypool um, living on the, the little higher efficiency, where I think I think Juju is the one where he suffers. Maybe go, like, you know, fast forward this time next year, he could be a buy. Yeah, I mean, he's 25, you know, yeah. so he'll be... Yeah, he has value. It's just about not liking the situation and definitely not liking the price tag. Um, would you? So okay, we've already talked about Cortland Sutton. You would prefer Cortland Sutton over Juju, or where are we at in that? Space? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they're that they have similar ADP, or I think they're in kind of the same ballpark there. So yeah, um, yeah, I would agree with that. I'd also prefer Sutton. Yeah, I mean, if we're just talking about on like a expected points basis um, or like target share basis, he's, a, I mean, Sutton played better than Juju in 2019. I mean, that they already crossed paths. I mean, right. this is not a projection that Cortland Sutton is going to be a better player than Juju. That has already happened, and that was two years ago. Fair. I like it. Who are you selling? Oh, sell. So I, you know what? It, I might give you one wide receiver, and I have a hard time selling a lot of wide receivers at the top. I, I tend to think of it as an older player um, who's producing really well, um, just coming up a career. Um, I'm happy to sell them just because I think the wide receiver position is so deep. Um, yeah. I think there's an opportunity for you to sell a player like Diggs or something like that for and pick up two players you know, maybe in the top – top 20 and you can you can recover 90 percent of the production from digs you know 80 percent of production from digs in two players and you just kind of diversify your your risk a little bit so i don't really have a player that i'm i at that level that i'm really targeting if and i'm just looking for whoever my league mates are willing to overpay for so that's not that's not great advice it's just more i'm open to I'm always open to sell my top receivers is kind of the way I think about it. Uh, especially if I can pick, pick up more of an asset that it's a uh, more, more valuable um, in terms of scarcity, like kind of a top end running back. If I can turn it into that. Now I will give you a player though. Um, player that I saw, he's being picked in the ninth round of startups, wide receiver 40 overall. Um, so he's a player that's not great and he's a sell for me. And that is Darius Slayton. Because I think he gets completely eliminated by the new players there in, on the Giants. So, yeah, that's Thurston, he's been sexy when there's been no yeah. competition. Like, he's kind of flashy at times, but he's not really an exceptional talent. Um, and his stats have never been great. So, he's he's a player that I would be more than happy to move on. You know, if we're, we're talking about games that have been, like, positive uh like above flex level he only had one two three four games last year where he was above that level um and they also gave you four games with below five expected fantasy points so he's he's a player that's extremely volatile and he's going to be absolutely replaced because his most of his target depth is deep into the left um and if you look at galladay 
that's a redundant skill set and Galladé is just better. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer, I think, from the, uh, you know, he's an under he's an underdog guy, so you're gonna vote for oh, him, yeah. right? You're yeah, gonna root for him. So yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a Slayton fan, but of course he's he's gonna get washed out. You spend all this money on Galladé, and then you spend all this, arguably waste all your draft capital on Kadarius Tony. Yeah, it was uh, ridiculous. He, He's not going to see a whole lot. So, um, yeah, okay. But Slayton, he's kind of on the the lower end. Um, another guy that I'm looking to to sell is Mike Evans. And so Mike Evans was actually a sell for me last year, uh, and obviously he outperformed that um, expectation. He he, you know, ended up doing really well. Um, but for me, I think his it's the same kind of idea. His value. Uh, now is still really high, and that's going to just decrease over time. Uh, I think Godwin is going to, uh, you know, continue to be relevant, and um, Brady eventually will start to drop off. And for me, the presence of Antonio Brown is going to steal looks from Mike Evans a pretty significant amount. Um, so, I, yeah, I've done a few reviews before, uh, but when they're all on the field together, all three receivers. Uh, they all they all pace for triple digit targets, so it's not like Mike Evans is going to banish. I just think that um, he he has a really nice price tag right now, and he's age twenty seven. Um, his touchdowns are going to regress if he scores thirteen touchdowns again. You know, I I think that that would be absurd. Maybe you can pull up kind of what his expected fantasy points are were, and then how much he outperformed uh, those numbers just with the touchdowns. I, I think that. Uh, so much of his like fantasy value is hidden by those touchdowns, and we kind of miss that because um, he's just extremely efficient from from that standpoint. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So but, yeah. So for me, he's a sell in part because of touchdown regression, and mm-hmm. I think the touches are going to come down a good amount. Yeah. So here's a here's a question for you, kind of as I try to answer this question, and and that is, it was there? Do you think there's a a drop off in the level of his play between 2019 and 2020. Because if we're looking at his expected point value in you know, on average in 2019, it was you know up in you know you know top five in the league. You know, uh, right. 15 15 points, 20 points a game. Uh, it had you know six games above 19 expected fantasy points per game. Uh, this season, he only exceeded it twice so he's kind of dropped off and and really at this year just in terms of what he would be expected to provide he was only providing you flex level play so he wasn't even going to be breaking your if you've got two slots to start in your dynasty league he wouldn't even have really shouldn't have been in either of those slots or wouldn't have been providing value just in terms of his perspective expected to give you based on the opportunity he saw um he had been giving just completely average uh at that point so um, you'd have been losing points if you're putting him in, in those in those situations. Now, of course, because his touchdowns, he was extremely efficient, and I can look it up. Evans, he, yeah, he was he's three points, three and a half points essentially per game uh, over expectation. So he should have scored right around twelve point three. He actually scored fifteen and a half. So yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy, right? Yep. I think that that for me was. You know, part of the reason why I wanted to sell him was I was like, "Hey, this guy's his volume is going to come down and the value is going to come down," um, and he just he outperformed that because he's catching a lot of one yard touchdown patches passes on the goal line, and I think that that that'll eventually drop off a bit. So, uh, yeah, he's a sell for me. Your question of 
Has his play skill decreased? I no, I don't think so. Um, he's just not getting the same looks because before Chris Godwin was Chris Godwin, it was Mike Evans show and that's it. And so, although his expected pan, uh, fantasy points are coming down, I think that's more about uh, the opportunities and um, you know just it being like all about Mike Evans. And then now it's it's a mix. Because earlier in his career, he's a 150-target guy, uh, and he's no longer that. And so people still remember those days, and he's alternated now uh, double-digit touchdown seasons kind of back and forth. And so we're in the off year for that. Um, So it's a good time to sell him. All right, so let's figure out now. There's a couple players you have listed here that – we're kind of figuring out what what are we going to do with them at their their current their current ADP value. So Aaron Jones, Green Bay Packers running back, is going uh, in the third round. And in terms of dynasty, he's he's that middle aged running back that people start to get concerned about because I think he's, he's turning 26, 27. And so uh, that that conversation of oh now it's time to sell your elite backs because he's hitting his his middle age of his career. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on Aaron Jones and is that the dilemma that you're dealing with? Yeah, he's a player that I absolutely love in terms of his projection uh, and production in terms of his skill set. I'm not that worried about his age just in the way, way he plays. I don't know why. It's he's kind of in he's getting up there, but I think he's probably got 2 years left of elite talent. My my more concern is really just about what is going to happen this year with Aaron Rodgers and what's going to happen next year with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you can bank on two years of top 12 RB, you know, top 12 uh, RB production from Aaron Jones, I'm, I'm fine with his ADP uh, being kind of a third round pick because he's going to return value for the next two years. My question for you though is, um, or my kind of comment is I don't want to be hold, caught holding the bag. And, and when I start to see a player get a little older, he's on a second contract, there are some younger players there like Dylan who could work into, cut into his workload. The offensive line is, it's been slowly degrading the last two years there. It, and then all of a sudden, if you remove, you know, MVP, it's funny to say, but he was MVP last year, um, Aaron Rodgers. You're starting to get a situation where the rug could be pulled out from underneath of you. And and I don't want to be left holding the bag with Aaron Jones. So do we have do we have one season left of elite production? We have two? Do we have we have more than that? And if so, is is he really a player that I want to be drafting in the third round of rookie drafts? Because I, I think I could look to a number of different other players where I could be much more confident in projecting two to three years of stable production. I, I think that's a fantastic evaluation. I was going to come after you for the uh, the, the 26, 27-year-old receiver uh, running backs because yeah. I love those guys. But, yeah, the, the real question is what's the deal with, with Aaron Rodgers? And if Aaron Rodgers leaves, how are they going to get him the ball in all these crazy ways? Because he's, he, like, he's very Austin Eckler to me, right? And yep. so, like, the, the whole – you know, we, we know about A.J. Dillon and we know about Jamal Williams and we, we know about Melvin Gordon always going to be involved. Um, you know, th- that is a huge deal if, you you know, you switch to a quarterback and it ends up being, you know, Jordan Love, who sucks. 
right? Is he going to be able to get Aaron Jones the ball, uh, you know, or is he just going to be, you know, relying entirely on Devontae Adams and then getting sacked? I don't know, or throwing it to the other team. Uh, so, yeah, that that is a legitimate fear, and, and I would agree with you. So your evaluation, though, or your, your comment about the offensive line was interesting because they had the best offensive line last season. Uh, yeah, it was very good. Just in terms of performance, it was it was amazing. And so what have you seen there or noticed there that you saw? So they lost back Diari uh, in that playoff run, and that was a big part of them not making it to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, what kind of concerns have you seen with that offensive line, or, or where do you get that taste or that flavor of, hey, this might be a little bit Dallas Cowboys-y in terms of, hey, we're really elite, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, gone. Yeah, I, I think for me it's more along the lines of Aaron Jones's value is predicated on that offensive line being one of the best in the league, if not the best, depending on which kind of metrics you're looking at. And and then they turn around, and you saw what happened to them in the playoffs. You saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Uh, You know, if they have a better offensive line, they probably win that game. Um, And so the question is, is what happens going into 2021 you know they're losing us i think they lost their center um it's kind of concerning so for me it's not really adding any offensive weapons or offensive stable stip, uh offensive players you know you could say short term that's good because it more targets right. funnel to aaron jones uh but long term that's not good because if your offense is you know not as talented you're not going to be on the field so often so for me it's just kind of I'm, I'm looking at that i guess i should i should have predicated that is is i'm i'm thinking more along the lines of aaron jones produced an extremely high level when everything kind of broke his way and his quarterback was playing at an mvp level what happens when that's not the case and i think it's pretty easy to project out into the next year or two when that's absolutely not going to be the case because jordan love isn't going to be up for MVP. Uh, maybe MVP <laughs> of the practice squad, but but no, he's yeah. not going to be up there. Uh, yeah. Probably not even there. No. Uh, so, okay, so in terms of you're looking at the, the draft board, who do you prefer over Aaron Jones or who do you feel more stable about at that oh. range? All right, players who are being drafted at or right around where Aaron Jones is being drafted that I would prefer um austin eckler because i think they're very very similar i think the difference is aaron jones is going to get about 10 percent more of the rushing opportunities than eckler eckler is going to be see about five percent more of the receiving work i think eckler both got recent contracts both similar ages uh so i was giving you a hard time about eckler earlier but i think eckler is a better value than jones mixon uh is being drafted slightly afterwards i'd go there i'd be willing to take a stab with etn gibson um, and that's about where I would stop. I think this ADP is showing Najee Harris as being afterwards, uh, but I would I would oh, draft yeah. Najee Harris, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously ahead of him. So I think the line I think where you'd have to start uh, making some harder decisions is a player like uh, Javante Williams. Um, I I would still I think rather have the immediate production from Aaron Jones. Than, than waiting for Javante Williams. Uh, six weekends, six weeks into the season, I wouldn't be surprised if that evaluation is much, much closer. 
Um, you know, if Melvin Gordon is just being inefficient, like he usually is, I think Javante Williams could be starting to see touches there. Uh, and if there's any sort of hesitation or any sort of uh, faltering of that Green Bay offense, uh, or, you know, we start to see more and more photos this offseason where uh, Aaron Jones is, I mean, sorry, um, Aaron Rodgers is just going to stay in Hawaii uh, with his girlfriend, or he's going <laughs> to come back and go to Canada and go, go for Jeopardy. Um, you know, maybe he did. Unfortunately, I think Aaron Jones is. Uh, value will absolutely tank and, and oddly enough if, if his value tanks uh due to off the field situation i still think he's probably better value um than almost anybody else being drafted after um the fifth round so if he drops that much that far due to you know people being afraid of aaron jones uh aaron Rodgers not coming back or something like that i think aaron jones is talented enough um and sees enough receiving work where he'll he could oddly enough be a value at that point. So this is me dreaming up a world where um, somehow Aaron Rodgers just, you know, is, is your game show Jeopardy host. But I, I don't think yeah, that's I, reality. But I, I think that, that uh, yeah, but, but your process there as far as Jones being, becoming a value, if something happens to Rodgers, that's totally reasonable. Yeah, people will overreact, I think, if right. that's the situation. And... You know, if, if you're getting it, if you're able to draft an Aaron Jones around someone like a Chris Carson, who actually I think is a decent on your value. value? Yeah. yeah, or I think I think Chris Carson, if you want to throw other like sneaky buys, uh, Chris Carson and and uh, Jared Cook, Jared Cook, uh, tight end um, now yeah. in not the Chargers. It, those two guys are like the guys I would be trying to pay like a maybe not a second round pick for, but like if I get both of them, maybe, but a third round pick for, uh, for next year to try to go win it all this year uh, versus someone like a Mike Davis. Cause Mike Davis, uh, Chase Edmonds. Um, some of those guys are like the, the hyped up one year players. Uh, I think, I think uh, like a cooks and Carson are actually going to be, possibly better at least in the games that Carson starts he's been he's been absolutely fantastic so if he's starting you you need to be playing him um anyway that's that's me going off on a tangent but but yeah yeah <laughs> oh, I love it bonus right on yeah so we'll just uh we'll finish up with just any training camp height that you thought was interesting uh Elijah Moore we've already talked about I mean I'm very excited about that are you worried at all about Tua Tagovailoa and the interceptions. No. Has, where is he? Are you? Where do? You, what are you thinking in terms of his value? Because he's got it all now. He does. Uh, he's he's a player. Like if we're if we're boosting, if we're somehow convincing ourselves that Daniel Jones is like QB ah. eight in Dynasty, we missed him earlier. He is a sell. Uh, if people are convincing him. Yeah, that's what the, that's that's what the ADP data. Yeah, no, I don't trust that at all. But that's what it was. <laughs> um, uh, maybe they don't include rookies. It's awful. Uh, I think you know if if somebody out there is valuing Daniel Jones as a top twelve uh, quarterback this year, just based on the, uh, the talent around him, sell immediately. You have to. It, Dynasty is not redraft, and you know it's going to be exposed either this year or very very soon that daniel jones just isn't very good and 
And while he may put up okay numbers because he, he can rush a little bit and he's got some good options there now in the passing game, uh, Saquon Barkley can make any quarterback jump off look great. So Daniel Jones, if you're going to be living in a situation like that, I just he looks like a player that's going to be replaced as a starting QB in two years. You know, as soon as his rookie contract is close to being up, they're going to be drafting another quarterback and he is going to be on the sideline. So I don't think he's any good. I think two is better than that. And so if you're thinking about kind of the same situation uh, where the talent around the quarterback should evaluate or um, sorry, should adjust or elevate our evaluation of that player, Tua is is squarely in that situation where it's like it's it's a whole lot better than last year. So it's been some really funny off comments this offseason where like he didn't even try to learn the playbook last year, which is boggles my mind i mean he said that it wasn't like reported um that's pretty crazy to me so i like really like this situation for him he is a player i'm a little hesitant to get behind but i in a one qb league i was in um i saw him get traded for like the 112 and i thought that was a a good trade um it ended up being like a kind of like a michael carter you know like kind of a possible running back possibly trade. elite back yeah you're right yeah jay jay thinks so, <laughs> sure. um, so. possibly the greatest running back in the nfl so, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah under 200 pounds maybe but uh yeah yeah with Tua, yeah it's interesting because you know you think he's like this high character guy and he hopped into alabama as a freshman and he like just stumbles into the national championship game and wins it and you're like oh he must be just like this genius guy and weird to hear him talk about like just the whole process being tough uh so yeah hopefully he he figures it out but uh yeah i don't know i to me the buzz gets to so the buzz it's again a specific type of buzz that bothers me when it's your franchise quarterback and you spent the number five overall pick on him and there's any negative that to me is a is a red flag and so i i love to as a prospect i thought he was you know looked good mm-hmm. and then uh you know i love all of his weapons will fuller is elite uh jalen waddle is spectacular uh Devontae parker can catch a pass that you know that like it's all there for him uh it's just you know you hear about like, oh, the defense is not afraid of him at all. <laughs> you know, different things like that. <laughs> I think weird. Those, yeah. that it is weird to, to get that kind of discussion on, on the guy. You know, it's supposed to be the it's the whole franchise, really. So your your statement or your comments on, on your quarterback or your statement and your comment on, on the team. And for that to be leaking it is pretty upsetting. We're just, we're just seeing Von Miller say, oh, yeah, Drew Locke, he's like, well, we were thinking about getting Aaron Rodgers, but we have Drew Locke. I'm very excited about that, right? It's the you know the opposite with Tua, and so that that is a bit concerning. Yeah, it, I know he's a. A lot of people are really excited. I think he's kind of like the player to pick this year, and with him coming off really an unprecedented injury with his hip, um, that's you know I'm just. I, it's going to take an edge off of his game um, that was a pretty big part of his profile coming out of school. And, and I, I, you know, whether 
and it's a, even a small reduction in his ability to rush or his ability to scramble. It can be pretty impactful uh, on him if if he's not an elite passer. So if he's just an above average passer, he just he just starts to get lumped in, you know, with a player like the Kirk Cousins, the Tannehills, the the players that are not exceptional. And so for me, I'm looking at him and looking at a situation and say, sure, yeah, if someone's willing to move off of him and I can pick him up as my third quarterback or second quarterback maybe in a super flex league or I can take a shot on him in a single quarterback league because really you're only looking for upside in that situation then sure I'm doing it but if if you're coming along and asking prices anywhere near what some of these you know top three or four rookie quarterbacks are um maybe I put them in on par with a how would you compare him to like a Zach Wilson? Because I think obviously for me, I would put him well behind, well, like very, very, very far behind um, a Lance, a Fields, and a Lawrence. So how would you compare him to like Mac and Wilson? Well, I prefer him over Mac because okay. Mac has nobody to throw to. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, that's tough. I I probably prefer him over Wilson as well because I, I am a believer in, in these weapons and I think that you know he can figure it out the question mark in terms of talent to me is pretty similar with with Zach and with Tua just as far as like raw prospect potential I do, I'm a big fan of Zach Wilson um, where I know a lot of people are mixed on him um, yeah. but I, I think he's a guy he's, people like to hate yeah he's I think he's pretty interesting and so a lot of the hate I think you can take an opportunity like a, take advantage of that you know he's He's QB4, and for me, people are, are treating him like, in, in terms of rookies, he's QB4, and people treat him like he's, you know, not in the same ballpark. And uh, I would put them in the same round, and some people don't feel that same way. Yeah. Like, if I am if I need a quarterback and I'm picking four, I'm okay with taking Zach Wilson. And I think a lot of people are, at that point, they're ready to move somewhere else. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, we can get into the whole Zach Wilson thing. People not liking him, but you know, even yeah, we'll stop. But that's a whole. We'll save that conversation. Yeah, yeah, people yeah, overreacting to the Zach Wilson stuff. I think there are red flags, and you do need to be um, concerned about it. But his stats, even before last year, were were decently enough, uh, or like well above average. So you know, he went he went absolutely ballistic last year against you know people pointed out no competition at all, but at least. He put up good enough numbers uh, in the years prior at a young enough age that he would be like an 80th percentile prospect, someone comparable to like a Herbert, I think, in that range. So it's it's not like he was a bad prospect. So it just this last year with his unbelievable stats pushed him up into you know 90th percentile. So for me, it, you know, I kind of split the difference. Call him you know mid mid 80s, mid to low 80s percentile prospect, and it's a player you need to be taking shots on. Um, in Superflex, if you are QB needy, it's not, a, that's not necessarily, it's risky because quarterbacks don't always hit, but he's a, it's about as good as bad as you can get. Um, he would just tend to think cause he was fourth or fifth quarterback picked in rookie drafts, depending on if you like Mac or not, um, that he just must not be good. And that's just, that's not, just not the case. So yeah, anyway, <laughs> getting off of the Zach Wilson territory, but <laughs> yeah, two, two is the kind of same thing for me. I think. Uh, two is two is good. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why I keep hesitating. I just get this feeling that he may not live up to expectations. 
Um, he's got the tools to do it though. So I'm, if I can get him for a good, uh, you know, decent price, I'm, I'm willing to, to risk it. He's a player you want to, he's a type of profile, right? You want to risk things for. Yeah. I, well, so I think too, what's relevant is you look at this 2022 class, right? And you're thinking of, okay, what's the, what's the spectrum of incoming talent that I'm going to, that I'm going to be seeing? Like all of these quarterbacks who are new, they're basically all the same gamble because the age is a lot less relevant for quarterbacks. Right. And so we're looking at this player pool of, the, like you're asking, all these dynasty value quarterbacks where, you know, Tua and Zach Wilson, and they're all in the same, the same ballpark, right? And if I look ahead to Spencer Rattler or Brock Purdy or Sam Howell, Tua's the guy that I'd rather play. And so, you know, to acquire a guy like Tua and to take a gamble on somebody who has a great opportunity, has good weapons, uh, I prefer that rather than seeing, I don't you know, Spencer Rattler go some some random place that where he'd go to the Texans, you know, that would suck, right? So, yeah, Tua, Tua is worth the gamble for me. Um, I am a fan. I think he'll be, he's got a good shot at, at top 15, and, and I like him in that kind of a target. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a player that, um, much like Daniel Jones, we just mentioned earlier, even if he isn't the solution for the Miami Dolphins at the quarterback position, he should be at least providing you fantasy points for this year, if not, you know, next year as well. So, um, you know, you're, you're going to be paying a price at right now where if you get two good years out of Tua, you'd be happy, right? Yeah. 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 You're not. I you're not it. overpaying for him. I think at this point, which is which is nice. Right. Yeah. Also, he's got the most explosive uh, receivers of all time. So. Right. Yeah. Very excited. Oh, you mean Gasicki, right? <laughs> That's who you're talking about. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> we can't forget about Gasicki. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. As athleticism uh, for days. <laughs> yeah. Except for at the running back position, but no I'm kidding. Uh, Miles Gaskin. He's good. I like him. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's good. He's fine. Uh, matter. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to the space fact. I think this is the most important part of the show. Um, the So the deal with the space fact, we've actually had this space fact. This is one of the OG space facts, but we're bringing it up again because it just seems relevant. You know, we've, we've grown a lot since this time. And, and uh, so I just want to remind everybody that the sun's mass takes up 99.86% of the solar system. And when you think about this, this is pretty intuitive. Right. In part, this is why we call it a solar system, right? So if the gravity or the mass of something is really massive, really huge and large, then the gravity is going to be stronger. So when we talk about our solar system, we're talking about everything that like the, the we're literally talking about all the things that the gravity of the sun is worth. Right. So we know that, of course, uh, the, the sun's mass is going to, to make up a huge part of the solar system because that's the definition of the solar system. Uh, but just to me that it makes up 99.86%, uh, that I think is uh, pretty remarkable. Think about how, like how small the earth is and like how much mass is, uh, you know, how much mass are you or me, right? Like crazy, crazy how small. Do you have any thoughts on the space? That's pretty interesting, Jetpack. But did you also know that, uh, AJ Dillon's quads take about the same space as the sun? <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right. that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And speaking of other things that blot out the sun, um, or if you want to just absolutely 
evaporate your uh, your rookie drafts. We do have a guide that's available on our site. You can go pick it up for $25 or, of course, join in on Patreon. And you can get the guide that way as well. Support us there. We would absolutely love it. Allows us to keep these podcasts going. Allows us to keep our tools free, film them free. And, of course, pay our awesome writing staff, which new for us, which we are absolutely loving it. And they like it too, it seems. They like the money. Um, not just paying them the galactic credits anymore. And of course, there are additional opportunities. If you go join our Discord, we have a Discord channel for Patreons. We have a Discord channel for the public as well, where we hang out during big events. Um, talking about the games, talking about picks, talking about trades. And we're launching Patreon and Discord channels. So... If you're thinking to yourself, I don't have enough of that real green money uh, with the crypto crash going on and everything like that. I can't afford to buy the best guide in the galaxy. Well, you can join a free league, free Dynasty Best Ball League. And if you win, you get merch and or guides, things like that in the upcoming year. So we're going to have winners. We have those opening up this year, uh, brand new. So I guess while, while they're still open, first come, first serve, we're opening those up to the general public at this point. You just got to jump on the Discord channel and they're there for you. So anyway, come play against me um, and lose against me. Uh, you might beat Jetpack, you might beat Jay, but um, unfortunately, the buck stops here. So, all right, thanks, guys. I think that's really about it for me. Love it. We are the Fantasy Football Astronauts and we are blasting off again. <laughs>